Thank you very much, Joe. Um, today, as you have heard, is Palm Sunday, and uh, it's a week before Easter. And may I just have a plug for the Good Friday service, uh, which starts at 11.30 at St. Mary's Church. And uh, street pastors are marshalling that, so we expect you all to be on your good behaviour. And uh, the uh, worship group from Stafford Elam are leading the music. I'm told if you... um, You don't know what to believe about weather forecast today, but I'm told that the third mini beast from the east is arriving next weekend... Anyone else has heard that? Well, um, uh, the weather app I went on to said it would be 8 degrees on Good Friday. So I'm hoping that the mini beast from the east, prophets of doom, have got it wrong and everything will be okay because we've got instruments out in the open and electrics and they don't go too well with uh, snow. So I hope if you're off work that day, you're able to join us. In, in a post-Christian, secular world, I think it's very, very important that we uh, demonstrate our faith, not to draw attention to ourselves, but to glorify Jesus. And we very much hope, as on other years, that there'll be a good number there on Good Friday, 11.30 at St. Mary's. So, with this being Palm Sunday, um, the intriguing title that I have given to my talk this morning is What Can We Learn From a Donkey? What Can We Learn From a Donkey? Um, I want to apologise. I don't think I've ever done it before, uh, but I've come without the PowerPoint this morning. I tried to get it on the iCloud and box this morning, but I couldn't remember my password. So, my apologies. I've got some lovely pictures of donkeys, uh, and you'll have to just imagine on the screen some donkeys. But there is something at the end of my talk that I want to put on the screen that I think links everything together and brings a personal challenge to all our lives. Uh, In the Old Testament, actually, we read about a donkey. Can anyone recall what that donkey was? It was to do with a prophet. Balaam, yes, Balaam or Balaam. And um, Balaam got... the, The story, actually, is in Numbers chapter 22. It's it's a very intriguing story. Balaam, um, this prophet of the Old Testament, gets very, very angry with this donkey because the donkey is not doing what he wants him to do. And uh, what is actually happening is that when this donkey saw a picture of the angel of the Lord, it bypassed, it went on a different path from the one that Balaam wanted it to go on. So, Balaam starts beating the poor animal, only to discover that the Lord began to speak to him through the donkey. 
I think that would frighten any of us to death, wouldn't it? If we were out in the country and a donkey suddenly started talking to us. When I was a, um, a young Bible college student in London in the early 1960s, uh, one Christmas my friends were playing that game of guessing which Bible character we were. And this was pinned on our back and by asking certain questions we had to guess who we were. Uh, some bright spark had pinned on my back, you've guessed it, Balaam's ass. And not knowing this, I couldn't work out why all the other students were in fits of laughter. Incidentally, I didn't discover who I was. Now, as you will know, donkeys um, have crept into some of the language we use. Uh, lots of phrases are loosely related to that word donkey. We speak of donkey's long ears, and because that rhymes with years, we say things like this. I haven't seen Jim in donkey's years. You've all heard that phrase, haven't you? Another phrase in common use says, that person can talk the hind leg off a donkey, which I hope you don't say about me this morning. It means they're talking too much. And then um, another way in which donkey has come into our language, we talk about donkey's breakfast as anything that's, you know, below par, like um, a hat or a mattress made of straw. It's a donkey's breakfast. And donkey's work, um, and this is maybe how you feel about your employment, donkey's work is something that is hard and boring Monday's round again, I wish it were Friday, it's donkey's work. Well, let's turn now to the New Testament account of a donkey from which we can learn some very, very good lessons. If a donkey could talk, it would have some important things to say to us, which I want to share with you now. Some 500 years before the first Palm Sunday, the prophet Zechariah said this, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So on some graphics you see a donkey and a colt. On other graphics you only see a donkey. But we'll say there's just one donkey this morning. So, Palm Sunday is a kind of presentation that Christ wants to give. He isn't a military commander, a conqueror coming on a war horse. Rather, he comes in all lowliness, in all humility, on a, a donkey. And he brings true liberation to the people, not from the political masters of Rome, but he gives them liberation from sin, for as a verse in John chapter 8 tells us, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And this story of Palm Sunday is not only in the passage that Joe read to us, Mark 11, you'll find it in all four Gospels, in Matthew 21, Luke 19 and John 12. So, focusing our attention now on that donkey, uh, let's see what it has to say to us. Uh, Mark Chapter 11, verse 3 says this, The Lord had 
need of it. The Lord had need of it. And that for me um, is the key phrase because as the Lord had need of that donkey, in five specific ways, the Lord has need of you and me. And everything depends on our willingness. The first thing I want you to notice is that the Lord needed a coat loosed from its ties. To the disciples, he said, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a coat there, untie it, and bring it to me. And in the King James Version, that fourth verse speaks of the coat being at a place where two ways met. In other words, it was at a crossroad. And that is the first lesson I think we can learn from a donkey. There are many, many crossroads that we face in life. Times when we've got to make a decision about doing one thing or the other thing, or going this way or going that way. And Christ himself actually was faced with that kind of decision. He could have chosen not to go into Jerusalem. He could have chosen to be disobedient to his father and he would have failed to be the saviour of the world. But thank God he did go into Jerusalem. The Bible says he set his face as a flint toward Jerusalem. Or as the Good News Bible puts it, he made up his mind to go there. He made the right decision. He went to the cross. Now what about those crossroad experiences in our life? When God first spoke to us about our need of salvation, we were at a crossroads. We made a decision. In my case, it was at the age of 12 and a half under the ministry of what we can now say the late Billy Graham. Um, and in the City Hall Sheffield, I heard the gospel for the first time and through that uh, faithful servant of God who, as you know, died last month at the age of 99, I made that decision to follow Jesus, to make him Saviour and Lord of my life. But you know, since then, we have many other decisions to make. We are at many other crossroads in our life. And in each of those decisions, the Bible says we must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we should look very, very carefully this morning at the choices that we make. Ask yourself the question, what are my priorities in my life? In the busyness of life, do I sometimes rob Christ of his rightful place? If the Lord needed a coat loosed from its ties, that's how he needs us. He needs us uncluttered from many of the things that we think are essential. We don't um, sing some of these old hymns now, but one old hymn, I think, puts it very well. This is what it says. Some of you older friends may remember it. The dearest idol I have known, whate'er that idol be, help me to tear it from my throne and worship only thee. In other words, putting Christ first in our life, being loosed.
from our ties. The Lord not only needed a colt loosed from its ties, but he needed a donkey on which no one had ever sat. Jesus said to the disciples, you will find a colt which no one has ever ridden. So this was not, as we might say, a second-hand animal, but one right from the start that was given over to the Lord. And I think that the lesson that we can draw from this is right at the beginning of our Christian life, before other things make inroads into our life, Christ is wanting us to serve him. And the challenge, of course, here is particularly to the younger people, Christ wants the best years while we have energy and time on our side. So I don't know whether in Church Lane, but often in churches I have pastored, we have young people who have gone off on Operation Mobilisation. They've gone off on Youth with a Mission. They've dedicated themselves to some Christian service because they have time and they have energy. But older people will testify to the fact that when we have a home to set up, when we have a family, when we have a career to think of, then these other things can sit on our life and we have less energy or less ability or perhaps it seems less desirable to put God first in our life. That doesn't have to happen. And I thank God, and I'm looking at people I know in this congregation, older friends who, despite the fact that they have had a family and they've had children they're still totally committed to the Lord and you're an example to all of us but sadly many people lose their cutting edge and the danger of that is something that we should all be aware of whatever our age whether we're young middle-aged or old let's resolve shall we to be the sort of person that Christ can use saying as that cult was effectively saying I'm ready, Lord, for you to use me. Sit on me. Be Lord of my life. And that leads to the third thing that we can learn from that donkey. It was loosed from its ties. No one had ever sat on it. And thirdly, the the Lord needed a coat that the owner was willing to release. If anyone asks you why you're doing this, said Jesus, tell them the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. I think that the man who owned that donkey deserves a lot more attention than we sometimes give him. For Jesus to ask his disciples to go down the road, untie a coat, that would be found there is like asking someone today to go down the road look through the window of a car to see if there's a key in the ignition and drive it off taking something that doesn't belong to you though it's not in the text I wouldn't be at all surprised if the disciples had not said to Jesus what shall we do if he tries to stop us To run would have been an understandable option. Some people, in fact, did say, what are you doing? Untying that coat, it doesn't belong to you. 
But in reply, Jesus said they were to say to him, say to these people, the Lord needs it. Now Jesus, of course, is no more likely to steal a donkey than he was ready to steal someone's car if he lived today. So it seems likely to me that that man had had previous contact with Jesus. Maybe he'd seen Jesus perform a miracle. Maybe he'd seen Jesus be kind to children. Maybe he'd heard Jesus preaching. And perhaps because of that contact, he said to Jesus, if ever you need anything, Lord, just let me know. So the Lord did need something, I wonder how many times we have said something like this to the Lord. If ever you need me, Lord, I'm willing. I'm ready. By calling him Lord, we do in fact give him the right to use us in whatever way he sees fit. Making an initial commitment to the Lord when we ask Jesus to become our Saviour is one thing. But sometimes... God asks us, as Christians, to release something in our life that we're holding on to. Untie it. And that becomes more difficult. Our complaint is, for instance, we would serve him if we had more time. Or we would give more money if we had a better job. Or we would witness more if we didn't get tongue-tied. But notice, if we're right in assuming that this man had previously had contact with Jesus, then the Lord saw no need to ask him a second time, can I have your donkey? He simply said, the Lord now needs it. And similarly, he expects us to stand by our word when we promise to make him Lord of our lives. A fourth factor worth noting, another lesson from the donkey, is that the Lord needed that donkey straight away. (coughs) Colts in those days were used to carry many things, as indeed they are today. I have been to Israel, I think, six or seven times. And the funniest thing I ever saw in Israel, I tell you this is absolutely true, I saw a donkey going into a petrol station. It knew exactly which pump to stop at. It was with its owner, of course. And it stood there meekly with two jerry cans on both sides. And the man took the pump off and started filling, not the donkey, but the jerry cans with petrol. I was so, so amused at that. But supposing the man had turned around and said, OK, Lord... You can have my coat, but not just yet. I need it right now to carry some goods to market. You can have it in a day or two's time. That would have been no good for Jesus because the Lord wanted the animal straight away. What is our response when the Lord prompts us to do something for him? Is it a ready willingness or is it and not yet, Lord. Some of the things God calls us to do can't wait for our not yet, Lords. They need to be done immediately. At a crossroads in northern France, there once stood a life-size statue of Jesus 
with outstretched arms. But during that terrible war, a shell exploded nearby and the arms of Jesus, both arms, came straight off. So for years, it's been removed now, for years there was a statue of Jesus with no arms. Someone later, very challengingly, challengingly, wrote on the plinth below, Christ has no hands but our hands. May God burn the truth of that statement into each of our hearts. It's so easy, isn't it, to say, wait until I've done this, wait until I've done that, but the service of the Lord cannot wait for us. It was Jesus himself who said, as long as it is day, I must do the work of him who sent me, for night is coming when no one can work. This week I had a phone call to say a colleague of mine had died the day before. Someone I was in college with. And I said to my wife, Chris, I said, it's quite sobering when your peers and those that you knew for years are dying. You go to speak at their funeral, you go to to take their funeral, as I'm sure you've done, Terry. And you think, that could be me next. Let's serve the Lord while we have the opportunity. None of us are too inexperienced or too old. The Lord needs us straight away. A coat loosed from its ties. A coat on which no one had sat. A coat that the owner was prepared to release. And a coat that was ready straight away. And one final way in which that donkey speaks to us is that the Lord needed a coat that would be under his control. Verse 7 says, When the disciples did bring the coat to Jesus they threw their garments on it and Jesus sat on it. Remember, this is an animal that's never previously been ridden by anyone. It's not broken in, as we would say today. And yet here we have the Saviour in complete control over it. You could say that at once the animal knew who his master was. Either this or it was a particularly docile animal. Nowhere in the four gospel accounts do we have any hint of struggle from that animal. Any difficulty. The opposite of that in terms of our life is spoken of in one of the Psalms. Psalm 32 verse 9. Listen to this. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding which has to be curbed with bit or bridle the thought there is doing something unwillingly for the Lord having to be goaded into it Jesus wants our willing response we need to be under his control we might well ask why did Christ choose a donkey so awkward so stubborn so lonely What it was to fulfil a biblical prophecy, yes. It also spoke about the nature of his mission. But beyond this, I think that that animal emphasises the fact that no matter how despised the object is, 
Christ can still use it. Matthew chapter 21 verse 2 in the King James Version calls this animal an ass. An ass. It is, as you know, a term of derision today. And the Lord often uses people who are derided by others. Average, ordinary people that others might look down on. Let me give you some examples from history. John Bunyan, you may not know this, was not a polished writer. He was very, very limited in his education. In fact, scholars sneered at his writings. They said it was, in today's terms, rubbish. But in response to that, John Bunyan wrote what thousands and thousands of people have been blessed by. Despite his lack of education, he wrote Pilgrim's Progress, which has been called the greatest allegory in English literature. When William Booth founded the Salvation Army, you may not know this, the press absolutely had a field day with him. They ridiculed him. In fact, the London Times put his title General Booth in inverted commas as if to say he's not really a general. Just what he's making up. They ridiculed him. But that man led and inspired an army for Jesus that spread around the world. And today, of course, we have the Salvation Army. Dwight Moody, who was the Billy Graham of the previous century, never went to a college. His manner actually was crude. His grammar was atrocious. In fact, (laughs) when I read this, I was amazed. English teachers would actually go and hear him preach simply to condemn his grammar. Yet he gave everything to God. So much so that the Lord used him far more than talented and more dedicated preachers. So I think it's pious, false humility on our part to say, Christ can't use me. I'm, I'm not clever enough, I'm not talented enough, I'm not articulate enough. But of course it's not our ability that God is looking for, it's our availability. Donkeys were often used to drive heavy stones at the base of a mill. A spirited horse would never do that. I mean, can you imagine it? You've seen it. Donkey going round and round and round and round and round. How boring. You might think of your life like that. You might think of your secular job like that. Pretty boring at times. Even if you're not working, you might think of your life like that. I do the same thing each week. Nothing really happens in my life. Quite boring. But listen, if you're doing what Christ wants you to do, when he wants you to do it, and where he wants you to do it, then that's all that really matters. G.K. Chesterton Chesterton had a poem about a donkey. I'm not going to read it all because it's too long. But let me tell you, it's not a very complimentary poem. It speaks of a donkey as having, listen... Ears like errant wings, the devil's walking parody of all four-footed things. That's not very complimentary. The poor old donkey. 
He is like errant wings, the devil's walking parody of all four-footed things. You may think of yourself in those terms. You could deride your physical appearance, your background, your lack of education, or what you see as your lack of skills. But that's not how God sees you, because more important than all those things is spiritual character. And every one of us this morning, it doesn't matter what our circumstances are, it doesn't matter what our age is, every one of us this morning can say with the psalmist, you created every part of me. You put me together in my mother's womb. When I was growing there in secret, you knew, Lord, that I was there. So God has a purpose for my life and God has a purpose for your life. Do not let the devil tell you anything other than that. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if the Lord used a donkey on that first Palm Sunday, then he can certainly use us. But everything, this is where I began, this is where I end. Everything hinges on our willingness to be used. Are we willing? I want us to think about this as we, Bruce, as we listen in a moment to what the internet has called an awesome, bit of an American phrase, an awesome worship song. In fact, one site said the best ever. And I'm playing it now because today marks the beginning of Easter's week. Easter week, we think of Christ on Palm Sunday going to Jerusalem giving his best for us. And we need to give our best to him. The Lord needed a donkey. And in 2018, the Lord needs us. And the graphic we're going to see is going to show a cross. And as we listen to this beautiful piece by Darling Czech, written admittedly ten years ago, but still very meaningful. I want you to make it your prayer that you put God first in your life, not just this Easter, but for the rest of this year. Into your hand I commit again with all I am for you, Lord. Thank you.
just hold the phrase on there. Just go back to the next, last one. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I belong to you. With all I am, with all I am, I am yours, Lord. Just pause it on that. Lovely. Let's read that together, shall we? Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I belong to you. You're the reason that I live, the reason that I sing. Let's pray together. Lord, we thought of a donkey. A donkey that is often derided as an ass with not much use is spoken of in that poem by Chesterton and derided for the monotony of its work. And while our life might sometimes seem like this, we thank you that you've set your love upon us. We thank you as we read in that psalm, the Lord knew us when we were conceived in our mother's womb. And we thank you that by the grace of God this morning, we have become children of God, sons and daughters of God. We thank you that we are the apple of your eye. We thank you that we are the people of your pasture. Lord, we may not think of ourselves as being very special. We may think that we do not have the giftings of others. But we thank you that if we're willing, if we're obedient, if our heart is set upon you, that no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what our age is, you're able to use us. So, on this Palm Sunday 2018, I pray, Lord, at the beginning of Easter week, that you will challenge us all to be the men and women that you intended us to be. To make you Lord of our life. To honour you in all that we do, all that we say, and all that we think. Lord, in this coming week, we pray that you'll use us. Should we be granted opportunities to share our faith with others, give us the courage to do so. I pray for that demonstration on Easter Sunday, uh, on uh, Good Friday. Ask that it would be very meaningful as we sing songs in the town square, songs that may not be familiar to others, I pray that they'll be challenged by the words. I pray that you'll remind them of their childhood. Remind them of what this weekend is all about. And then, Lord, on Easter Sunday, as the church celebrates here and we celebrate in other churches, we pray that you'll be glorified in our worship and glorified in our lives as we seek to honour you. We believe in you We belong to you and it's the reason that we live, the reason that we sing, to honour you. Help us so to do, we pray, in Jesus' name.
Amen.